Within printed page rests fates unseen, doused in ink and laid between. Shadows lurk within your findings to other realms and beyond the binding. Welcome to Beyond the Bindings. I'm Max Lopez, and today we're going to be covering Rose Matter by Stephen King, which was published in June of 1995. This is honestly a, a point in Stephen King's career that I have not really touched very much on uh, it, it, on the podcast, or really just in my reading of his work. Uh, he didn't see. He he kind of seemed to be on a real on kind of a on a real streak in the 80s and then in the 90s I feel like he not necessarily fell off but uh, definitely was releasing maybe just like one book a year two books a year maybe um, I might be wrong completely wrong about that but no matter what it's still an era that of his writing that I haven't really tackled very much just uh, just in general whether I'm just reading uh, just for pleasure or reading for pleasure and the podcast doesn't really matter um, and honestly, this was kind of an interesting book. It was uh, it was definitely out of the box for um, some of the major aspects of this story were a little bit different and told in a different way than King usually hits. And it, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it was it was brutally dark. And uh, overall, this book tackles domestic abuse and domestic violence on a significant other who is the main character of this whole story. And basically, just dropping you in right to the beginning of the story, you get put right into the scene of what a, what you would assume kind of was maybe the worst experience that the main character had had being domestically abused by her husband. Now, the main character's name is Rose Daniels, and her husband's name is Norman Daniels, and he's kind of like the, the big cop in this town that they live in. And he's really well respected. He's kind of like the golden boy on the police force, but little do they know he actually has been abusing his wife for the past 14 years. 14 years once the events of the main story happened, but right away you, you dropped into kind of this introduction of of what truly is is something that Rose is experiencing every day and it's this domestic abuse. And it was either verbal or physical every day, but regardless, it went on for 14 years, and the trauma that Rose experiences is something that you kind of lived through throughout the remainder of the story. But when you're dropped into this, Rose is pregnant. Norman arrives home from work. He is in a very uh, foul mood and proceeds to physically abuse her to the point where she ends up miscarrying her baby. And it is very graphic, and it's about the first 20 to 25 pages of the story. And at that point, you are questioning your decision to continue to read this book for two reasons. Number one, you know, I, I, I completely understand the purpose of having to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's being domestically abused. I understand the validity of bringing it to the forefront of conversation to, to try and help these people as much as possible. But with King and something like this, I did fear right away, not knowing really where the story was going to go, that the majority of this book would revolve around 
detailed scenes like this because it is incredibly detailed and it is incredibly disturbing. And it, it, I mean, I've talked about it before. Stephen King has been responsible for making me feel very uncomfortable many times. And there is an allure of that. But with this book, it, it was very dark and it was very real. And uh, luckily, it doesn't continue on in that fashion. You still get many details. You still get the grand scope of everything that Rose experiences or had experience, but you don't have to relive it with her, which is, you know, you, you don't want to say like, oh, I don't want to think about that. Like, I'm plenty fine with thinking about it. It just, it makes you feel like sick to your stomach. It, I mean, just because it's very real, this is a very real topic. This is a very real thing that happens to people. And of course, being Stephen King, there's a fantasy, there's this horror element that gets brought into it that is fantastical, that is you know, puts it into that realm of fantasy science fiction type uh, writing. But that aspect is very real. And there's a few things I'll touch on that with this, um, with the lack of details King uses kind of on the grand scheme of this entire book that I'm going to get to later. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a little note to get back to that later, just because I want to make sure I cover it. Now, what I wasn't expecting was you're kind of flash forward after that years later and now you're at that full 14 year mark where she had been living with him, had been married to Norman for this long period of time. She's in her early 30s. They had married right out of high school. She's in her early 30s, I would assume around 32. So really just right around my age. And she kind of like wakes up in this moment. Like her consciousness wakes up and snaps her out of what is going on to her and what has been going on for the past 14 years. And in that brief instant, she gets an opportunity and she gets the opportunity to flee and she takes it. And she ends up fleeing the city, the state, and she ends up about 800 miles away in a brand new city. Now, it's very interesting because with King's work, and it's something I've, I really talk about quite a bit when I read his stories, is that the setting and the town and the state often plays such a huge role in what's actually going on in the story. And I'm going to get to this. This is that note I just made a second ago. And I found that very interesting because being an avid reader, a constant reader of Stephen King, I was immediately looking for those, those names of those towns, the city she's moving to, because often they become like this character in and of itself. And he didn't do that. And I was very curious about that, just because it's not something he commonly does. He, he typically is so utterly detailed, even just to that, like, it might not be significant what town Rose originally came from, but it's a detail that I would have, I would have found and I would have remembered, right? So I started racking my brain, curious on why he would leave this out. And then I started thinking, this story covers, tackles this theme, this, this, overall topic of domestic abuse, right? This thing that's so very real in our world. And I feel like he left out those details because he's trying to say, and I, you know, this is just my assumption, that this is, that Rose comes from everywhere, that there, there's this person that is Rose right now somewhere in our country, somewhere in our world, somebody who needs to get out of a bad situation but doesn't know how. So I think in a way he might have been leaving out those details to say like Rose could really be from anywhere because this kind of thing happens to people all over the place. It could be happening down the street from your home right now. And I'm not sure if that was why, but 
in in my head, that's how I'm justifying why he doesn't use that detail for the city she's from, why he doesn't use it for the details for the city she goes to. And it was very clear to me that that had to have been done purposefully. And again, of course, I might be wrong, but it, it's just so unusual for him to leave such a you know, definitive detail out, something that seems so important. Now, when she moves, um, when she ends up fleeing, she is uh, incredibly afraid. She steals his ATM card, only takes out like $300 from Norman's bank account just to get her by, trying to be very honest, trying to not steal from him truly, uh, because she doesn't, she doesn't want that on her conscience. But really, she should not care. She should not care at all on everything that you know at this point of what he has done to her, everything that you learn in the future through flashbacks. I mean, she needed to get out of the situation, and she certainly wasn't going to be able to do it without any money. So she 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 arrived at this new city. Now, she clearly was on the East Coast, and she seemed kind of like maybe Southeast Coast. And she ends up certainly in the Midwest, because he puts reference to that. But he certainly doesn't say it's Chicago, but at one point they tra take a trip up to what seems like Wisconsin. And at another point he mentions some random person is from Evanston. So kind of interesting, because uh, not many of his books take place in Illinois. Or at least I read Fairy Tale recently, and that was kind of unique to having taken place in Illinois. But so... She arrives at the city, she meets some uh, she meets a man who is able to kind of guide her in a way to help her find this women's shelter. Peter Slowick, I believe is his name. And she ends up getting lost in the city and so it was kind of like a, you know, big like little kid in a big city type situation like she was very nervous. She this was completely new to her. She had lived the last 14 years of her life completely sheltered by Norman, being abused constantly, not really understanding what the world around her is because these are formidable years. I mean, you think back to your life. I mean, I don't really consider having learned truly anything about the world until I was like 22, 23. You know, and other people might claim differently, but I, I swear you don't really know anything until... You're at least 23, and even then, I, some days as a 30-year-old something, I'm usually like, I don't even think I know anything now. So you have to imagine this poor girl just going right into this horrible situation right out of high school. She's really sheltered. She doesn't really know very much, and she's very scared in this new city. Luckily, she ends up making her way to the women's shelter uh, which is called Daughters and Sisters, and she meets a woman named Anna who runs the whole place, and Anna kind of takes her in, gives her a job cleaning hotel rooms. Eventually, she ends up uh, in an even better situation. She ends up being able to move out. She meets a friend named Pam who she works with directly, and then she actually learns some self-defense from this woman named Gertie, and Gertie and Pam both play huge roles going throughout the rest of the story. Now, eventually, Rose kind of ends up in a little bit better of a situation, and she goes into this pawn shop, and she ends up selling her her, her wedding ring, which she actually finds out, finds out was fake. And she meets this man named Bill, who he's around her age, and he she's very smitten by him, and he seems to be very smitten by her as well. She ends up leaving the pawn shop, and as she leaves, she walks across this painting, which is described as not a particularly beautiful painting, 
but it is a depiction of this Greek scene of a woman in a rose matter, which is like a deep rose colored shiften, I believe is what they called it, but it's kind of like a dress, but I, I assume this is kind of like a red toga. And she's looking off onto this temple, and there's a horse. You could actually find the the like a a fan produced picture or uh, painting of this image, but it, it's not supposed to be particularly good because it's supposed to be in question why she even wants to buy it in the first place. And this is where all of the Greek mythology plot point comes from. This story, through her interactions with this painting, um, it becomes to it, it becomes alive to a certain degree. And Rose begins to interact with this in this painting in this almost fantastical way, where she's learning more about herself, herself, and she's also kind of diving into the psyche and the mindset of Norman his, himself, which is very interesting. And honestly, it happened kind of at the perfect time because, to a certain degree, the the book was lacking something that I knew it had to have. If you if you know what I mean, I knew it had to have this kind of fantastical element. Because nothing all that out there was happening. And, like, don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't consider the domestic abuse to be in there, or, you know, normal or anything like that. But it really wasn't that, like, kind of bizarre king that I expect out of his writing. And I knew that this was all going to come into play at some point. And it really does. And it, and it kind of... It makes everything kind of pay out in the end, the way that he kind of intertwines the Greek mythology into Rose's story. While at the same time, the part that you weren't expecting is Norman Daniel's story to kind of be interwoven into this Greek mythology piece as well, which was very cool. And that kind of brings me to Norman because he, he very much does uh, this kind of writing style that he or point of view style that he doesn't always go for but he does it in the bill hodges trilogy and he does it in a few other stories where you completely get a full point of view of the antagonist of norman daniels and you're in his head and it's kind of interesting because everything's written in italics because it's almost like you're list you're reading his thoughts um, which become progressively more twisted as the book goes on because um Norman's perceptions of reality begin to split about halfway through your you reading his point of view chapters um, or his point of view sections of the chapters. And by the end of it, um, Norman has lost like a, a complete and utter grip of reality and the difference between right and wrong and even the motivations for him doing these things because, I, I mean, ultimately he comes looking for uh, for Rose. And as that's happening and unfolding, you're seeing kind of these measures that he's going through to get more information about it, while at the same time you're also learning about things that Norman had done in the past that 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 go um, beyond so many things. That like, he was he domestically abused his wife, and then he sexually abused his wife, and then he was sexually abusing other people as well, and he had all of these really shady cop moments that, that were happening throughout the story as well. And those were all done within flashbacks of either him uh, through Norman's eyes or things that Rose was kind of remembering from his past or things that she had progressively blocked out throughout her life. So very interesting and incredibly dark. And 
you know, it, it's weird to say because those, like with King, like the, 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 those characters very much do drive the story to a certain degree because like once you start seeing this kind of twisted side of Norman and on the other end of this book, you're getting introduced to this whole mythology piece through this painting and you're introduced to certain aspects of that and then as the reader you start binding those two together because you know at some point there's going to be a marriage between those two things towards the end of the story and being a constant reader you're trying to kind of plug that in as you go and, and I found that very entertaining I really did enjoy this story uh, and it's not very acclaimed it's definitely not something that it's not a book that I hear a lot of people talk about I don't see a lot of people post about it uh, there has been movie rights bought to it twice I guess and uh it, it was definitely shut down both times, which is unfortunate. But so, yeah, Norman's POV chapters get incredibly dark. And when these, the, the kind of the marriage between, um, between Rosie's, Rosie's whole story where she's away from Norman and Norman trying to venture out to him, to her and find her, once that all meets and towards the end with the Greek mythology piece, it, it really is cool. It's very introspective in kind of the overall themes to this story. Now, the major theme, obviously, domestic violence and domestic abuse is a major topic and, and a pretty big theme in this story. But I would say trauma, overcoming trauma and learning to move on from trauma and and learning to allow the trauma you've experienced to be an integrated part of you um, and not letting it go. I, I think that especially towards the end, he's trying to kind of harp on this, this idea that like you could try all you want to forget something that ruined you, that you, you know, that you consider to have destroyed you, to have crumbled you down to nothing. But truly, the, the idea is, should you forget about it? Should you let that win and let it change you for who you are? Or should you allow it to help you to blossom into this beautiful thing that you are always meant to be? Are you doing yourself a disservice by trying to just shove something under and not allow it to come to the top? Because I think we all experience that when we just bury things inside of us and sometimes that could be something as simple as just like you know you want to air this grievance with your friend or your significant other but you, you know it might hurt their feelings so instead what you do is you bury that in and that's all fine then but what about the next time and then you bury it again and then you bury it again and then everybody knows what happens when you bury things too far down is eventually they're going to come back up they're eventually going to resurface they're going to rear their head in and it might be an explosion. I certainly know that for me, sometimes that leads to just like, man, like I'm so angry. I'm so upset about this. And really it never needed to get to that point. Now with the situations like that I'm talking about, like, like those are minor things. Like that might be like, hey, could you do the dishes? They don't do them. Hey, could you do the dishes? This is just an example. But something like domestic abuse where she's just burying all these things for years and years, accepting the fact that this is how her life goes. What we get out of the Rose who discovers the importance of learning to work through that trauma is truly a beautiful thing. And, and you really see this woman so well developed, so well articulated by the end of the story, somebody who has really grown into the person she becomes at the very, very end. And, 
And I really did think it was incredibly well done. And I thought that he left the details out and the points that he, he intended to, to show that this, this woman, Rose, is anybody. And that this situation is more real than, than this, than, you know, this, the, the fantastical elements of this book will make it seem. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I was not expecting it. I, I don't really even know why I decided to read it, to be honest. Um, I think, so I had been looking up, I had just been kind of perusing, looking for, like, not maybe doing, like, one of the big ones from King, like, something I hadn't covered, but maybe had read before, and it would just be a reread, but then I was like, you know, this book isn't super long, and I could probably burn through it in about a week, and I went just to do a little, just read, not even a synopsis, but just, like, just the first little blurb on Wikipedia and see what it said, and it had mentioned, like, the domestic abuse piece, which is not something uh, unfamiliar to King's work, but then it also had mentioned the Greek mythology piece, which it had mentioned as being something unique and truly something I've never seen him do before. Um, reminded me of, like, Neil Gaiman to a certain degree, which I love that for sure. So I, 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 that, that's ultimately why I decided to read it, was because it just seemed a little bit different, and I did enjoy it for that, and I thought it was really well written. I thought that it read really well, which is ironic because as I was reading a little bit about it today online, King in the, uh, in his um, nonfiction book called On Writing actually says that he considers it to be like a stiff story and that his writing style is very stiff within it. And I didn't necessarily think so. I mean, I, I don't think that it flowed in that way that many of his kind of like bigger stories do where there's so many little intricate details, but I could maybe see where he's coming from to a certain degree. Like, he definitely doesn't build it out as much. And, and in my opinion, I thought that he was doing that purposely, but based on that comment, he might have not have been doing that as purposely as possible. But I think the characters who got the development that were really just, um, really just both the, Nor both the Daniels, Rose Daniels, and... Norman Daniels, I, I really didn't think we needed much more out of any of the rest of them, and I, I mean, whether he intended that plot or that setting um, placement to be how I how I visioned it, or if he has some sort of other intentions, it doesn't really matter, because I'm going to view it in that way, and, and I really appreciate that I can really respect doing something for that reason, um, especially covering a topic such as this that's so... I mean, like somebody in, in that listening to this podcast is somebody that could have experienced this or knows somebody who's experienced something like this. And I mean, it's just incredibly sad. And obviously, there's people out there who are afraid to get help. And I think there's people out there who don't know how to get help. And uh, in, in any way possible, I think that it's just really important that we we shed a light on these things, that we read stories like this, that we talk about stories like this. And I, I think it might be more important to have a conversation about this story than it is to read this actual story, if that makes any sense. Because, I mean, how many men could, could say, like, oh, I've, I've read a book where this, where, like, a woman, she gets domestically abused. Like, I see the point of view. I've lived in those shoes. Like, I think that that's really important for both for both men and women to do but especially for men to do to to see the perspective to put yourself in other people's shoes i've read um i've read and i don't know statistically if this is backed by anything or backed by any research but i've read that people who read 
often show empathy and sympathy, um, like a higher amount of empathy and sympathy for the uh, for other genders and other sexes. And I could see that being accurate because, like, in what other opportunity do I get to actually live the live through the eyes of of a woman, or through a transgender person, or through another man, even, or does it really matter? It's kind of interesting to think of it in that way, and I could see where uh, reading can lead to a better understanding of acceptance, which I think is so beautiful. And, and of course, being such an avid reader and seeing so many reasons for people to read and seeing that a lot of people don't enjoy reading or don't see the purpose of it, I think that could be such a great purpose, is kind of being able to put yourself into the shoes and see through the perspective of somebody else. And, and maybe if you're able to see that, you're able to come into their level because, I mean, there are certainly things in this story that like, of course I thought domestic abuse is terrible, but walking away through having lived it through Rose's eyes, it, it gave me a different perspective on it. And I did find it incredibly enlightening, I guess. You know, it's hard to say, like, I enjoyed it, of course, you know, like, I, I, I thought it was a great book, but like, it's hard to say you enjoyed it because like what, what you actually read was, you know, incredibly, incredibly twisted, but it was enlightening. And I think that was uh, going to be one, one of my big takeaways from this story, just in general. So Rose Matter, definitely deep, definitely dark, definitely something that was um, not easy to read as far as content goes, but, but definitely something that was very, that's very relevant, and very important. And I really respect King for writing this story, uh, you know, almost 30 years ago at this point. So very, very interesting. Now, moving forward, I'm going to cover a book called Anxious People. Uh, and then I think I might go back to some Stephen King. I might do some Discworld here soon. I'm on this huge Stephen King tip right now. And I just can't get off of it. Every time I finish one of his books, I have another author to read. But I'm like, oh, gosh, I really just want to read some more, uh, some more Stephen King. But as always, go go get a library card. Maybe check out some Stephen King books. Maybe check out Rose Matter if it's something you're interested in. And uh, I'm Max Lopez, and this is Beyond the Bindings. <laughs>